Good afternoon, friends. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to We Talk As One. This is The Balcony. This is where, of course, all the conversation, uh, the best conversation happens. It's our chance to dig a little bit deeper, to have that long-form chat that you can't otherwise get, uh, and speak to another brilliant, incredible guest. I hope you've been joining for the last few. We've, uh, we're very excited to have with us Monkey here today. I'm going to do the proper intros in one second. We are live. We're lucky to be live. We're live in East London. Uh, here in Defected Headquarters in Shoreditch. That means please get your questions in, uh, your comments. We've got producer Mitch uh, around the corner there, uh, ready to uh, elevate all the best questions. We will uh, read them out during the, the next kind of 59 minutes as it is now. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm very excited to today be joined by uh, Monkey. You might have seen her actually just a couple of weeks ago uh, in these very studios, kind of a bit that way in our live DJ hatch here in Defected HQ, where she was playing to about, I think it was about 28, 29,000 people at one point in our lively little press play event. We're gonna be talking all about that and music and all sorts, because Monkey's the most brilliant example, I think, of following your passions, which today I think is a very nice theme to kind of get stuck into. So without further ado, Monkey, welcome. Hi. Very nice to see you again. Thank you for joining us on our sort of weird shelving balcony bit. Thanks for having me. Let's start with what I've just mentioned there, our last event uh, a couple of weeks ago now on Twitch. Are you aware of like how big those moments are virtually? Because there's no crowd, you're in an <laughs> otherwise empty space. What does that feel like? Yeah, I think if we rewind it back to like one of the first things we did in ministry, which was all, almost a year ago, yeah, now, over, a, a, over a year ago. Yeah, literally last week, I think, was the... It was anniversary, yeah. the anniversary of COVID. <laughs> Fantastic. Not one we want to really remember. Um, when we did that, I don't... It was a little bit like doing a radio show, I guess, where you don't really realise how many people you're reaching until you see the reaction to people, um, from people online. And essentially with that one, it wasn't live as Twitch is now and was the other week. It was, I didn't see the reaction until after my set. Mm. And so for that one, it was only until after my set and I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is insane. Like mm. you see the numbers and you see people messaging you on Instagram and all the other socials. And, you know, there was NHS nurses raving in their ambulances yeah. and all this, you know, crazy stuff. And it really sort of brought people together. And then for this one, we obviously had a screen up and we saw the messages come in live. And Do you like to read the messages or does it uh, unnerve you? It doesn't, it doesn't unnerve me, but because it's kind of like in the corner, you just see a lot of like emojis pop up. So, yeah. that's, so that's nice. Um, and it was nice to be able to interact as well, because I think, you know, my background's... Sorry, sorry, producer, I just smashed yeah. the microphone. My background's radio, she's about to say. She yeah, hits no. her microphone. <laughs> yeah, my, so, yeah, my, my background being radio, um, it was really nice to have that live element again, because yeah. I just missed it, you yeah. know, that's... That's why we do radio, yeah. is to connect with people and, and share stories and share music. So Melvo, one of our other DJs, said that. He, yeah. he, he, some, of the, some of the other artists who played that night were like, that's as close as it felt to being out there. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, like, definitely. And um, Mitch was putting up the numbers, I think, on the screen as they got bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. And I was like, oh, OK. So did you uh, respond to that like you would? So again, if you're playing a festival of crowd, I'm yeah. assuming you you know, the, the, the ebb and flow of the crowd famously would dictate presumably your set to some degree. Does the same thing happen there on, in an environment like Twitch on a live stream? I think um, in terms of interaction it does because, you know, you're more likely to interact on the mic when it comes to Twitch, which some DJs do in at festivals and clubs and stuff. I'm, I'm not really one to get on the mic at a festival or a club very often. 
Um, but the, I think the nice element with Twitch is that, you know, you're not, you're not in a club setting. You're still playing live, live music, but you're not in a club setting. So the, the stories that you can tell with your set are almost a lot broader because you're not expected to play bangers, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't always be expected to play bangers, but essentially, you know, you're there to entertain people and mm. in your own style. Um, so, you know, you saw it from the press, press play event, DJs were playing all kinds of music. It wasn't, you know, essentially what you would typically go and see them for, but it was just music that they loved. So there's almost a, a broader window for you to explore when it comes to things like Twitch. I think that's super interesting and we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, and I love what you were saying there about the idea of community and the idea of interaction. Take us back to the start then, Monkey, how we got to here, maybe not right here today, but how <laughs> we got to who you are. Um, I know we're very lucky with some of this Twitch audience. A, there's lots of people who tune into these. I know there's lots of young people and they can see and hear what it is that you've been up to. Let's go back right to the beginnings. You mentioned radio. How did it all begin? Was it was music always a thing? Uh, how did you get into this world? Yeah, I guess, um, well, it feels like so <laughs> long ago now. Um, it's, a, it's a funny one because... I'm, you know, I'm still in my 20s, but I think people feel like I've been around for a minute. Um, and if we're going back sort of when it first started, I think music was always something in my household that was a strong, um, it was always like a strong element in my household, but I didn't really realise it was, essentially. You know, my mum was always listening to dance music when I was a kid. She's a big Prodigy fan, loved oh, the wow. Chemical Brothers. I found her old vinyls in the attic when I was a little bit older, and it was like, you know, 808 state and and stuff like that. So it was always a strong element in the house. My uncle as well, who I lived with, who's quite close in age with me, listened to like a lot of Garage. There was that very UK-centric um, sort of time when Garage was massive as well. So that played a part. And it wasn't until I was about, I would say about 16 or 17 when I was going into college. So for everyone in America, that's the last two years of high school, not, not university. Um, which at the time you didn't have to do, so you could leave school at 16. Um, and I was going into college and I was studying things I didn't want to study. I was studying like law and economics and you know, these were the things left. I, I couldn't get into yeah. the music class. I wasn't super musical, didn't play an instrument. Um, and I discovered radio is how I discovered dance music. But it's not that I discovered it because I already knew it from my, from my mum and from my uncle, but I sort of rediscovered it That's nice. in my own sense. I found stuff that I was really into. I was listening to like a lot of pirate radio, which was just legal radio in London, um, you know, and back then, and, and still now, you turn the dial, you, can, you could find pirate radio stations all over the place. Uh, and I was listening to a lot of specialist radio on Radio 1. And I just remember being like, like what is this? What is this music? I've never, mm. I've never heard this before. And then starting, you know, researching on the internet. And ironically, when I was younger, I always thought clubs weren't a place for me because the way that I looked at clubs was a very commercial way. It was the West End, yeah. girls got very dressed up, you didn't get in unless you were wearing heels, you were wearing hair and makeup, it just wasn't me. Just, I'm still not like that now, I wasn't then. Um, and I was like, well, that's, that's never gonna be into that. And it wasn't until I discovered the underground where I was like, oh, this space is somewhere I feel comfortable being myself and somewhere where I can enjoy. Um, 
and I discovered that through radio. So radio was my entry point for the underground and, and dance music. And did you have a natural ability with it in terms of speaking and doing radio? Was that something no. you <laughs> I was going to say? Because no. that's quite a big leap, right? Yeah. Being able to, to jump to that side of the microphone. And yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't at all. Not at all. And it wasn't until I heard a woman on the radio that I realised, oh, this is a... You know, this is a career path that I can follow. And it was, so it was Annie Mack on a Friday night. It was the first woman that I heard present specialist music. And it, it, it literally wasn't until I heard her voice, I was like, oh, that's something wow. I could do. And we'll, we'll touch on it later, I'm sure. But before that, I wanted to play football. And I, and I couldn't. And I only saw men playing football professionally. And so I ended that sort of, you know, dream, I guess. And I moved on to music. Isn't it incredible that the simplicity of who you can see right in front of you? Yeah having an effect on whether you think you can do that or not. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful and yeah. it, I think it's so quickly forgotten as you grow up. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's extremely important, you know, when you're young and so impressionable, but it also, you know, it happens to us as adults as well. It's not just, it's not just kids, but um, no, broadcasting did not come naturally to me. I remember, you know, <laughs> recording links, practicing links on this sort of laptop I had, but reversing the microphone so you could record the speaker, sorry, so it was a microphone, yeah, right. and just holding the laptop up to my face <laughs> and recording links and then like placing them over music and it's seeing cool. how that <laughs> sounded and stuff. That's like my son does TikTok now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a really basic TikTok. By basically. any means necessary. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I love that. But that kind of, there's something in that. There's something in the sheer lo-fi ability because ultimately you're creating you're making and you're yeah. probably learning and shed load of mistakes as you do it i'm going to try and read out some questions as we go through which for if you've watched some of the previous episodes uh, of, of these interviews i normally hog the questions to a nice terrible but i get far too into my guests um uh, there was a nice comment uh, from one of the uh, the people watching ten thousand people watching at the moment annie mac paved the the way for the rest of us which is really nice i think a uh, point that you've already mentioned Barriel 2803, do you think virtual platforms like Twitch have opened up spaces for women, for example, or even disabled people as performers, as consumers? Point about accessibility. Yeah, I think, you know, now, especially with technology, anyone, not anyone, but a lot more people can stream and, you know, be a DJ online and have that source to put out their work. So something like Twitch does make things a lot more accessible. Yeah. I think, you know, the more technology can reach people in terms of it's not just the top one percent it's it's everyone the more like like this person said oh, i can't see it now but the 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 more accessible dif yeah. different kinds of people are going to yeah. be and you know you're going to see all these different kinds of yeah. people do those things we, we said that a lot i mean the show that you're the show that you mentioned, the first virtual festival defected deer that you played from ministry, that was one of our big points when we came out the other side on the Saturday morning looking at stuff was, and I can't even remember the number, let's say it was two, three million. Yeah. You simply can't get two or three million people into a club, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you sort of forget that moment of sheer accessibility throughout the world where people want to come and see you, monkey, but they simply yeah. can't because yeah. they're in the Cayman Islands or wherever they want yeah. to. But that's a pretty cool part. I've seen you've actually quoted... Um, uh, I saw, and you said something like, um, uh, live streams of the new pirate radio. Yeah. So you just talked about your love of something like pirate radio. Yeah, I know it's quite a London thing, but yeah. it's only a UK thing. Do you see that as ultimately a good thing then, because it's just giving people the chops to get out and broadcast? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I, think I was kind of almost like the last 
maybe like generation to come through pirate radio because essentially the, the pirate radio station that I was at was called, is called Rinse FM. Um, and when it was pirate, it was only around the corner from here. Actually, it's now a community station. And it's a big deal, right? For those who don't know, Rinse FM, yeah. very influential, massive. You know, massive. It really paved the way for genres, grime, garage, dubstep, um, which are now sort of more internationally known. Even like even you know, house music had house music shows, jungle, yeah. drum and bass. Um, so yeah, it was literally around the corner from here, and it was a pirate station which basically meant it illegally broadcasted on the FM dial around London. And then I, I sort of came as an intern at the back end of their journey. It was, it was going long before I arrived, you know, 10 sort of years. And I was 17, 18 at the time, and I was there for, for a couple of years. But it was also the period of time where they gained a community licence, which means they were legit. Um, and they'd been trying to get this licence for years and years and years. So there is kind of no need to be pirate mm. anymore with the internet mm. and, and how streaming is. You know, you look at other really strong uh, stations that started off as online or still are online, like NTS, for example, which is another station in London. Um, and so like, why, I guess, why would you mm. illegally broadcast on FM if you do have something like streaming on Twitch or mm. streaming on the internet and being able to reach far more people than just sort of in this 20 mile radius? But do you think it's still a question of being able to cut? Because with that democratisation, as you, I think you're brilliantly describing, presumably also comes with an awful lot of noise, literally, and clutter <laughs> for people. So if you're a young kid and you've got something to say and you've got some wicked kind of outlook on music and you want to play out, mm. but presumably cutting through that might be quite a daunting task. Yeah. Is it still that they might want to tie their flag to the mask of someone like what Rince would have been, for example? Or do you think... Would you give the advice to someone young now and say, just go and do it, just go and get out there and broadcast and eventually they will come? Yeah, I think, um, I guess you could look at, it, look at it two ways or you could do things in parallel, essentially. You know, if you're, a, if you're a DJ starting out, you're a young DJ and you want to get on a rinse FM or a, a defected radio or a Radio 1, essentially, like, I think it's always good to do stuff in parallel and just not expect that to happen. Um, and if you have the means to stream and you're not currently on a station, you know, I would do it anyway. And the likelihood of you enjoying it is probably huge. And essentially, you're just using it to, to market yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Afrolicious Mama uh, says uh, Pirate Radio, uh, three example, Mission FM, Choice FM, Woe FM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Big Yeah from Monkey. Uh, Nick Murphy says the live streams encourage you to dig, uh, dig deep uh, and prep more than for a a typical live club or festival set that's interesting yeah that's that is interesting actually um or yeah do you, like I, you go equally into both I, I would say you probably can dig dig deeper for live streams a little bit but then i guess it depends you know what festival you're playing mm. and, what, and what club you're playing because mm. i think some clubs give you that as well and so do some festivals because obviously it's really sort of audience dependent and and so sometimes you think the crowd is knowledgeable in a certain place. Yeah. Then you could perhaps dig a bit deeper. Exactly, but then there's also some, you know, some events you might play where okay, this is a little bit more of a commercial crowd, mm. but you know, I still want to do me and I still want to play the music that I love, so I'm still gonna um, pick a few few curveballs for them mm. essentially, and hope they like it. <laughs> Do the curveballs come because you started off this and you were mentioning, and it sounds like your mum's my age, which is worrying, but <laughs> you mentioned your mum's like Chemical Brothers, yeah. like vinyl and all of that sort of stuff. Do you reckon curveballs come from that background of what you perhaps picked up when you were young? Do you know what I mean? Will they yeah. all be 
and the, and the fact that you've described those kind of records and your garage influences and ultimately, you know, house. Yeah. That's a beautifully eclectic, lovely, rich mix, which I think you show a lot of in some of your music. Is that always going to remain? Do the curveballs come from the fact that there's that heritage, if you like? Yeah, I, th I think so. I think, I think if you actually, you know, a DJ can be well known for, for a genre, for playing one genre, but if you actually dig deep into their past or you ask, quest you ask them questions, they're so... Their knowledge is so multi-genre. Yeah, that, that's the word genre. Yeah, we'll um, that. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I do think the curveballs come from that. But mm. definitely, you know, Simon's a great example of that. Simon Dunmore. I agree. His knowledge of music in general mm. is so vast, mm. um, and he'll play a tune. I'm just like, where has he whipped yeah. that out from? And that, and that's you know, that's come from his knowledge of so many genres, yeah. not just house. Yeah, Simon Dunmore's latest selectors playlist. Yeah. I was continually WhatsApp and I'm like, I can't believe you like this. <laughs> <laughs> and his point went back to me was, well, of course I do, because that's where it all comes from. Yeah. But in my slightly naive perspective, I was like, gosh, that sort of stuff's on my post, some old 80s, slightly so. And he's like, yeah, that's where it comes from. And I love yeah. that. The, the real respect, if you like, of those origins can form, if you like, the rest. So take us back. So when you were interning at someone like Rinse, what were you doing? Were you doing everything as an intern, <laughs> real kind of? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was a proper, you know, a proper internship. And, you know, while I was interning at Rinse, I was also interning at Ministry. I was also working at a TV production company. Wow. And, and then I was working on the weekends, my dad just labouring. Wow. <laughs> so I was busy. I was a busy young woman. But when um, you saw the inside of a radio machine, yeah. did you think, this is a bit of me? Yeah, I mean, if, we, if we're going back to the first sort of the first radio station I ever saw was actually a, a station in South London called Radio Jackie, which is kind oh, yeah. of a commercial radio station in South London, which was a pirate station in the sixties and seventies. Um, was it? Did it come about that? Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah, yeah. Gosh. And um, I basically just I bugged this guy <laughs> who works at this, this station called his name's Steve. Um, Steve and so big up Steve <laughs> and I emailed him a lot and all the intern places basically were gone um, there wasn't any more room but because I, I think because I emailed him quite a few times he was like okay look just come in for a day you know like make cups of tea you know get print off paper right. stuff yeah. like that um, and I went in for the day and I was just you know I was just really keen to learn and I think he saw that in me and he is the one that linked me to Rinse FM. Oh, wow. So you just don't know where these opportunities come from. You know, what, what is the likelihood that, that Jackie FM, a station, <laughs> predominantly for sort of, you know, like over 40s, would know the owners at Rinse FM, yeah. a pirate station in East London? Like, you just, you don't know how these things work. I bet that stays with you, though, because I think there's something there. There's an adage I've always sworn by that every conversation, there is always something that you take out of it. There is at yeah. least one good thing. If you go and meet people, that is always worth that meeting. Yeah. For probably similar reason. Yeah. It's a very small world. That cliche it's is so true. Tiny, but <laughs> yeah, I was only there for I don't know six, eight hours, and you know that led to a relationship Wonderful. with Rinse, which went on for for the next four years after that, and then to a radio show. And but, but then you you mentioned that you're still in your twenties now, which is kind of frightening. And by the way, I'm going to read that out before it leaves. Buff says Monkey was top notch at fabric every time. Okay. <laughs> How does fabric rate in the in your places you played? I think I, th I think it's such a like strong holds such a strong place in my heart really? fabric yeah because you know I'm from London it's such a it's such a staple in like the DJ community in the UK in the world and in London essentially and yeah those guys gave me some great opportunities when I was young I think I did a fabric live CD when I was like 21 or 22 or something so that's like. a good segue I was going to talk about your age so like you said it feels like you've been here a while yeah doing what you're doing yeah. <laughs> 
how come was that was it stuff like radio one coming quite early was it which was pretty i guess high profile and yeah. big again tell us a bit about that and for young people watching wanting to get into it is that a good thing does it is it potential to derail you when you kind of are suddenly big in that respect at yeah. a young tender age as it were yeah um it, it's it's strange because when i when i left school i had you know i didn't have any qualifications and i sort of had this plan i was like right i've got this seven year plan and this wow. is what i'm going to do in the next seven years by the time i'm 26 i'm going to be on radio one um, before that i'm going to go to new york and work in a studio and had this like really sort of grandiose plan and then things happened really fast and i ended up on radio one at, at, at 21 which is you know way before i sort of planned to get on there um and yeah, it was a bit of a, it wasn't a shock, but it definitely happened a lot sooner than I thought it would. And then when I was there, I was kind of like, okay, now what? Like, yeah. what you know, what you know, what do I what do I do now? Mm. And I always wanted to get on a Friday night. I always wanted a show on a Friday night, which never ended up happening. Um, I held a show for six years. I think it's a pretty good stint stint there. Huge. Yeah, and um, had an amazing time and did some amazing things like Radio 1 in Ibiza, you know, crazy, you know, crazy. We, those are the things you dream of when you're a kid. You listen to them on the radio, you listen to Radio 1 in Ibiza and you're like, oh, I want to be there, you know, let alone be a DJ. So I did that for six years. and Do then they feel like moments you've made it? I know you a bit and you're very humble naturally as a person, but do you ever get moments like that, perhaps in the Radio 1 or Ibiza weekend, for example, when you're going, bloody hell, and you give yourself the chance to exhale and go, I think I've done it. <laughs> um, no, I, th I think at the time I was just mo always moving so fast, which isn't essentially like a healthy thing, I don't think. You no. know, you, d you do need to like s stop and s smell the coffee, I guess, mm. as it were. Um, and it wasn't until my last um, sort of Radio 1 in Ibiza show when I thought, oh, I think this might be my last one because I knew I was leaving, where I really was like, oh, God, I'm... You know, it might happen again. I might come in as a guest or whatever. You drank it in a bit. Might have drank it in a bit more. And and I think when I left, if I'm being completely honest, I had a bit of, felt like I had a bit of a, a work identity crisis, as it were, because you're always introduced as, oh, this is Monkey from Radio 1. It's never just right. like, it's never just Monkey. It's never just Lucy. It's your badge. Yeah it's, like, yeah, it's like a badge that you wore. And I wore it very, very proudly. Um, so there was a, there was a, a change I had to change and, and to, to be fair it's probably one of the best things that ha has happened to me because you're not sort of just riding off the back of a station um, but it was a it was an interesting shift because I didn't achieve everything that I'd set out to when I joined but at the same time I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to be there anymore anyway so um, and that's that, you know, that's being completely honest. So that it was a it was a really great time, but it was an interesting shift when I left as well. We need to say it. It's a six year stint. Now, yeah. Richard Hadders, uh, Carries World both asked questions. Uh, Richard says uh, he's basically seen how good you are on your socials with a football. How long yeah. you know football? Carries World said, is there crossover skills between DJ and football? We are going to get to football <laughs> in in a second. Just give us a minute more because I think there's a bunch of crossover skills. And I can't wait to hear all about it. Just uh, finishing off the last point and your very uh, young age to be having such brilliant sort of kind of fame in its own way, you yeah. know, in a world of DJ and clubbing and, you know, artistry and production, all that sort of stuff. And you just mentioned there something um, 
about the, the feeling of identity afterwards. Yeah. Tell us a little more about that. And, and maybe also there's something we can talk about here about wellness in general. Like you, when you're running at a million miles an hour like that, yeah. presumably in many ways it's kind of good because you don't sort of stop for a second and months turn into years and your success kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. Now you're older and wiser, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit older and wiser. Would you kind of sell the younger you, slow up, take a stock, take a moment? How do you even deal with that whole piece, wellness? I don't, I'm not sure if I, if, you know, if I was talking to myself sort of six years ago, I would tell myself to slow down because I think it was a natural progression where I realised it myself and I had to go through that journey to realise it. Um, and I'm happy that I did. Mm. Um, and especially, you know, now in the last year where we've all, we've all had to stop essentially everything that we've, we're used to doing, although it's been terrible for the most part, I think one of the big things to come out of it is really realising like what's, what's important to you into the, in this period of time and working that into everyday life when we go back to the new normal or the normal. Um, and I was kind of getting into that before we went into lockdown and before we went into COVID and really, you know, if we're talking about wellness and stuff, it's, I think balance is so, so important, which is why I took up football again something that I loved as a kid it became it came before music ever did and it's something that I completely gave up because of your music career I, no I wouldn't say it was because of my music career I would say it was because you know women's football wasn't a professional job then and that's what that's what I wanted to do I grew up supporting Arsenal which is a team here in North London Thierry Henry was my hero and I played with the boys and I, I never saw any women on TV, but because I played with the boys and I was so young, you know, I was eight, I was like, well, that's not a problem. I'll just be the first, per I'll be the first girl to, to get it. And then as you get older, you realize, you know, that that's not reality. And I think that it was really disheartening. Mm. And I was, so I was kind of like, well, if I, if I can't do this all the time as a job, you know, why am I going to these academies? Why am I going to these trials and, and things like that? So. I, I, I ended, essentially like stopped playing for a long time. I stopped playing for about eight years, actually. Um, and then it wasn't until I got older, I got into music, I joined Radio 1, I was going 100 miles an hour. I was like, oh, God, there's something I really miss. And I can't, I can't put my finger on it, what it is. And eventually I was like, it's sport. I, I spent my whole life playing sport. Like I said, music came late. And I'd entered this community, which I loved, and it gave me so much. But there was something from a physical aspect, not only from a physical aspect, but from a well-being aspect as well, that I was missing, and, and it was football. It's brilliant that you recognised it and that you remembered. You can you could perhaps go decades before you recall, oh, there was something I used to do, and I frankly missed it for the last 30 years. It's yeah. great that you got in whilst you still can. And now, you know, you play to a really high level. Tell us tell us who you play for and stuff like that. Now, we, we met originally, actually, when both of us were working in and around football and women's football and stuff like that. In fact, today's quite a big day because Sky have just been announced, announced as a broadcaster, yeah. right, for the, which is a big deal for here in the UK, uh, for the, uh, the Women's Premier League. Tell us a little bit about it. You play for Dulwich Hamlet? Yeah. Yeah, so I play for Dulwich Hamlet. What position? I'm a right winger. Um, you can catch me at right back when we're down a few players. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, 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 play, I play with them. You know, we play leagues, cups, FA Cup, train a few times a week and balance that with my work schedule with my agent here at, Defected, so I'm, my agent is Andy Rayside, who works here, and he looks after my music bookings, and we have a very 
good system where we try and balance my footballing schedule and my festival schedule. Well, that must be so in a normal year, so let's talk non-COVID, in a normal yeah. year, and I think, again, we might have met around this time, so I'm pretty sure I saw you playing in Ibiza, or we were talking about it, and then you were literally, as in playing in front of a crowd, music, yeah. <laughs> and then you were coming right back to play a match like at the weekend. Like, yeah. How on earth do you do that? So again, with the context of wellness, and that must be pretty hardcore, right? Yeah, I think, so when I first got back into football, you know, in my early 20s, there, there wasn't much balance, if I'm, if, I'm, really? if I'm being honest. I was, you know, I remember playing a show in New York, flying on the red eye, landing, and then going straight to a cup match and playing. Like, that is just not sustainable <laughs> now, to be honest. Did you win? No, we lost. <laughs> we lost, and I'm pretty sure I couldn't see straight. Thing. Yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, quickly realised that that's not sustainable, but also something I just don't really want to be doing. No. Um, so now, in terms of how, how, we, how we balance it, you know, I think I'm really lucky that I work with Andy, and it's one of the reasons that I really love Defected is because they realise what's important outside of music. You know, not only is music unbelievably important to me, but so is my health side, and so is, um, so is football, and I think... It's extremely hard when you have these two things that m may not fit together the best. You know, late nights and playing football is probably, you know, they don't fit the best if you don't balance them well. But having someone that really understands how important this side of my life is, and I'm not just going to take a show for the sake of taking money. Nice. Um, you know, I'll, I'll weigh it up and, you know, I want to make training sessions and I want to make, I want to play against Crystal Palace, but it might, it me might mean that I either have to not take the show, maybe take it another time, try and slot it in somewhere else, or, or maybe not take it at all. Um, and so, it, you know, it's been really important to find the right people to work with, I think. And what about, so again, maybe this is a naive me thinking, that buzz. So I've never been a footballer, and I've never been able to DJ. And I bloody, <laughs> and I bloody love both. Yeah. And I am the punter, the other end. I'm the punter in the stand yeah. with the hairs on the back of his neck. I'm getting goosebumps, and I'm the punter in front of the audience or behind the stage, wherever I might. Like, be lucky enough to be still getting that same goosebump experience. When you are you, yeah. and you're hitting a 25-yard screamer, top right-hand corner, <laughs> or when you are you, and you're playing an absolute huge set and you're finishing with Donna Summer, I feel love in front of yeah. <laughs> What's better and are they comparable, those respective thrills that we as an audience get? Are they comparable for you as the footballer or DJ? Oh God, I mean, they're both amazing and I think they are slightly different, but also very similar. Like, <laughs> Go on, I, explain. I think, you know, if I, if I, sco if I score a goal, I'm usually yelling and screaming, some absurd <laughs> something. Um, if I play a tune and it goes down well, I'm probably not going to yell in your face, but it is that same big buzz. Yeah, it's essentially, it is that same big buzz. And, you know, you, I think the, the similarities between those things, because I was asked this the other day and they were like, why do you, like, why were you drawn to those two things in particular? And I kind of had to ask myself the question because I didn't have the answer straight away. And I think I sort of dwelled on it a little bit and I came to the conclusion that those two things are very much about connecting with people and that's what I, lo I love to do you know I love I love connecting to people I love talking to new people I love the buzz of, of scoring a goal or you know playing a tune that goes down really well and there's so much there's so much crossover that I didn't don't think I really thought about too much for a long time until maybe sort of in you know, last I don't know year or maybe you shouldn't 
Yeah, yeah. Because that's you just being drawn to being able to be good at things you're passionate about. And that's yeah. a pretty lovely thing. Dariel2803 has corrected me. He said it was a BBC Sport uh, deal too. I think I just mentioned Sky. Shout out BBC Sport. Yeah, it was true. <laughs> it, it, was, it was both of them. To Sorry. Yeah. Um, but but the, do you know what? There's something there media-wise which is quite interesting. So again, I think um, going back a year or two, you were working with Copper90. Yeah doing a podcast, an award-winning podcast, yeah. seem to recall with a, a US, an ex-US footballer, Heath Pearce, presenting. You were doing that, like at the, the, the Women's World Cup. Yeah. You were flying out with the likes of Defected to Ibiza yeah, and so on. Yeah. So that's quite the balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go a bit more into the whole... The, was there something... Because you have a fiercely kind of articulate understanding of the women's game. Of course, you play it, but also in terms of the, the challenges, the barriers, what you personally had to overcome and, and your kind of piece of the wider puzzle yeah. if you like is it does that re remain a driver to you to frankly get parity you know yeah. for example is that a, a thing that burns within you or is it look i just love the game it's really good for me um no yeah i think i, I think it definitely is i think if we're going to go back to know when i started playing football when i was a kid you know a lot of those issues are the reasons that i stopped playing um it, it was the first place that I experienced racism as like really? an 11 year old, never experienced that before. And also, I think that was also why I was really drawn to like Clubland because I felt, like I mentioned before, you know, I felt very much like I could be myself. I saw all different kinds of people, you know, all different kinds of, you know, genders and people from all over, all over the place, all over the world, all over London, you know, and it was very much a place of like acceptance that I hadn't really experienced before in that capacity. Mm even in football, mm. where I would go to trials a, as a young girl and I would be the only minority and then I would experience things, you know, nasty comments that, yeah. you know, other kids would say and stuff like that. So even though that is something that I loved, it did not give me that sense of community at the time that, foot, uh, that sorry, that music did. And I, and I found that community again in football, like later, later. down the line. Presumably you searched for it a bit harder did you it was something as opposed to i'm walking into a club and it's incredible yeah and everyone's being a bit like me and they all look completely different and this is yeah I presume you have to go and find that tribe a bit more yeah 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 definitely I, I was i was so lucky to come across a group of girls that i did because essentially because of the, my past experiences with it i would just you know at first i would just turn up to training and i'd play and i'd go home and i wouldn't really connect with them yeah. really um and I didn't, I didn't tell them what I did. I didn't, I didn't tell them the DJ. I didn't tell them you know, I was a radio presenter. And you know, they ended up finding out through social media or something. And then ended up coming, coming to Warehouse Project. That's so cool. <laughs> so yeah. So eventually, you know, like you, you, you can only sort of live a double life for so, yeah. for so long. But it's exactly what I didn't really want to be doing. I didn't really want to be living a double life. Should take the Hamlet team out now to. Oh yeah, events. mate. Yeah, definitely. 100%. <laughs> really? They're always. They're there all the, the time, you know. <laughs> they were supposed to come to Defected Croatia last year. Unfortunately, obviously, there was no Defected Croatia. But oh, hopefully they're coming this year. Oh, mate, it was, like, it was a 4-11 aside <laughs> coming, coming last year. But, um, yeah, and obviously, you know, Defected sponsored our team for of two course. seasons. You know, we, Defected were our back sponsor for two seasons. And, yeah, there's some lovely crossover, and I'm really happy that I allowed that door to open a little bit more. Um, so going back to your question, Sorry, yeah, yeah um, you know, making the game, mm. diversifying the game and, you know, s making the gender gap in, in terms of equality mm. smaller 
massive driving forces as to as to why it works. But you don't so. have, do you see, and by the way, Carrie's World says, monkey, you're a real champion for us women, which I thought was very nice. Thank you. Five clapping emojis as well. Um, <laughs> uh, are any, do any such challenges exist in Clubland? Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. I think, I think maybe I was a, li a little bit lucky when I was younger because I was a little bit ignorant to it. Mm. Um, and I was, to be fair, at Rince surrounded by people who really championed me as well at a young age. There was a woman there who worked there at a time called Sarah Lockhart who won, who ran the station with Genius at the time. And you know, seeing even seeing her in a position of power and quite high up in, in the station was really like engaging for me as a young woman trying to make it through the music industry. So I think I was uh, I was lucky in that sense. But at the same time, you know, there were 60 DJs on the station and I think there were three of us that were women. Yeah. So, so your point right at the start of this conversation is as true today as it was then yeah. to an impressionable girl watching Siri Henri to a girl now watching you DJing, for example, you know, a couple yeah. of weeks ago with the whatever it might be. Yeah. That's those, those symbol or you and Annie Max experience. Yeah. That's still important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and especially coming from so I'm, I'm my mum's side of the family are Malay, Filipino. My dad's side's English. So especially coming from a background with an half my family are immigrants, it's really important as well and and this is only something i've really realized in the last few years to be that person in front of the camera or behind the decks or playing football for a group of women even smaller in capacity who can see themselves in me and then think oh maybe i you know maybe i could do that so not only you know just girls in general but you know southeast asian girls as well because there's not you know there's not Many of us in that you see anyway in football or behind the decks. It's not That's a wonderful, lot. and that must be a continual burning driver inside yeah. you. Both a brilliant footballing skill level as you are, and a brilliant DJ as well. That must be a lovely continual, almost you know, uh, not uh, if not an underlying purpose, but a lovely byproduct of, a, of something that is ultimately your passion and something that you enjoy. Yeah, definitely. And I think as I've got older, I've definitely realised that. Doing, you know, I think when I was when I was younger, I was very ambitious, but maybe I wasn't ambitious for the right reasons. I was like, you know, what is you know, what is success to me? Mm. It was being on Radio One, you know, maybe it was nice having a nice car, mm. and those are all very half-empty reasons. And when you realise that doing things or doing the things that you love mean a lot more to you if actually you're thinking of the wider picture, it gives you a lot more and it gives people around you a lot more, you know? So... Does that just come with age, do you think? I th yeah, I think so. I think definitely. And I mean, I, I can't... If you're thinking those kind of things when you're younger, like, good on you, but did I expect my, myself to be thinking them back then? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I think it does come with age a little bit, but... So kids, are, kids are more woke now, man. <laughs> well, they're certainly more aware. Yeah, definitely. You know, I didn't have a bloody clue about any of the above. And that's why, actually, I'm particularly interested in Julia down into this. You are a brilliant example of someone who quite literally lives within and works and is making this incredible career within things that you love, your passions. Mm. 
we talked very briefly just before we came on today. I saw uh, some of the guys would have seen it who are watching. Scott Galloway is a brilliant, brilliant guy, by the way. He made a real point on a, at a recent uh, interview about you know following your passions is a bit of a myth. How you can't really do it. You can't really make a career from it. And I think he was perhaps going down a route more of look. It's a very difficult route, and you might end up, frankly, empty-handed and disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I was young, I didn't think you could either, as in I just didn't even know. I was simply wasn't aware of the certain insides of certain places, let alone working in football or music and something like that. If you were talking again to the younger monkey again, a yeah. 14, 15-year-old perhaps, would you go, absolutely, do this exactly like you've done? Yeah. Because that feels like a really legit route, interning at these places and finding out about it. And, Maybe you would have come back to football sooner. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because like, if if you sort of promote the fact that you know follow your passions and you know it all fall into place, like it's really not as simple right. as that. And you don't want to sugarcoat it because it is a lot of hard work. But to say it's not impossible or it's not the right thing to do, I think is a bit rough. Like, it's doable. Yeah. You, you can see people do it and you can watch people do it. And but it is very much about being able to see those people do it otherwise you're just not going to think it's a thing because like you said when you were younger you didn't know that these places existed and for me when i was younger before i found radio i very much thought that work was a place that you wore a suit and you and you went to work um you know my mum worked in an office or work was a place where you got really you know got really dirty it was physical and hard work which is my what my dad did so I looked at those two things and I was kind of like, well, I really don't want, I'm not sure I want to do either of them, but I have no idea what I want to do. And, you know, before music came around and after sort of football, like, disappeared from my interest, in that period of time where I was like 15, 16, going through GCSEs and stuff, I didn't have a clue. No. I did not have a clue what I wanted to do. And so finding radio was, you know, amazing <laughs> finding radio for you and getting out and doing it and i've always said that as well any young people looking to be at a job like a defected or previous yeah. places i'm like just go and do physically go and make stuff as much as you yeah. can don't try and pigeonhole yourself again would that be your advice back to those young people who are like they might be a producer they might be making records they might be yeah. feeling their way around, you know, would you go, just go and do it, get it out there, get it published, get it made, don't overthink it. Is that a general good kind of a piece of advice? Yeah, I think so. If, like, if you're able to and, you know, you have the resources to, then, then take advantage of it. Because, you know, there are people out there that can't and it's harder for them. And so if you are in the position to and you... But even if, if you're not, like, you, you can find works, you know, find ways to work, work around it. But for me... I didn't, I didn't necessarily have the resources to, you know, I didn't have a lot of money and stuff like that, but getting to know people was so important for me because you'd be surprised as well the opportunities that people present to you if you're just, you know, willing to work hard and you're, and you're very keen and stuff like that. So for me, it was, you know, it was really getting to know people that really helped me. You know, I met, I met people on MySpace and stuff like that. That's, you know, that's how I met Annie and message on MySpace. I would just turn up to parties, you know, raves. Yeah. And sort of start talking to people around the booth and handing them CDs and USBs and, um, you know, just turning up to events and having conversations like this. I think that's so good. Yeah. Simon Dunmore did that uh, 
brilliant piece when we put a Calvin record out recently where effectively kept Calvin's letters. From that is so crazy, years. isn't it? <laughs> but, but that exists all the time. Yeah. I love the fact that, that they were kept, of course, and it became a lovely story. Yeah. People sort of forget how your point of handing a USB stick around the booth to someone you admire it's a point of admiration. It's I really love what you do and I think I'm relevant to your world. Yeah. There's very few people who go get lost to that. Yeah. It's a really nice, intelligent, I yeah. think, and, and thoughtful way. And again, we're in a pretty tumultuous, difficult era, pandemic, post-pandemic, yeah. what you yeah. want to describe it as. You've got a very, you know, an awful lot of young people. The bit that I'm particularly interested in, which I love, and I would love people to take out of this, is this idea of being plural. Like, there's not many people I don't think who would have gone, I can be this good as a DJ, making records and so on, and I'm playing to this high level, mm. football. Yeah. You know, that's quite the combination, I think. Yeah. And it clearly isn't easy, Yeah. but you're also almost using the sport as a nice counterbalance to perhaps some of the, the hectic life of a DJ. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, it's, it's ended up presenting me with, with work opportunities as well, you know, talking about the podcast that I did with Copa a couple of years ago during the Women's World Cup. And there's very, there's a lot, there's lots of crossover when it came to broadcasting a radio show to being able to present something for BT Sport or, you know, uh, being able to be a part of the England Lionesses campaign and stuff. There's, there's lots of lots of crossover. When I, when I did the, so there was this big sort of campaign at the beginning of the 2019 World Cup where they, told um, the world who the players going to the World Cup were going to be. And they, they asked me, they were like, you know, would you, would you like to announce a player? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. They were like, we've got amazing people on board. They had like David Beckham on board and all these people. And then they're like, and you know, we'd like you to do one as well. I was like, okay, <laughs> like quite a, quite a big deal. And they were just, they just said, we just want you to make a con bit of content around it, however you'd like, you know, be creative and, and stuff like that. And they gave me Kira Walsh for Man City and um, I think it was our first World Cup and it was so it was so much fun but the way I did it was I was able to sort of bring in that music element as well so I just got a videographer to come down with me to a, to a set to a club and uh, I put on my USB stick I named the track Kira Walsh so when you zoomed into the deck so it cool. said Kira Walsh and like you know when the music dropped like there was big fan noise and stuff like that but it was just fun to be able to you know, be a part of this amazing campaign with the FA, but also bring in this, you know, me DJing and like mu music element side. But the fact that you fun. can as well, and you could put that music. Yeah. And so again, without putting words in your mouth, presumably if, if there's a sparring kind of talent out there, it's maybe if you want to be a presenter, think of the other bits being around a presenter that will help you on that journey. Likewise, yeah. musician, artist, DJ, right? Because you yeah. do an awful lot there. You produce, you make, you create, you play out. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot you present. We did a piece of work with the, where you presented the Champions League party out in Lisbon. Like, there's yeah. a lot of strings to that bow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun as well. And when you, I think you and George called me up about that and were like, look, we've got this thing, you know, with Heineken, UEFA Champions League, return to European football. They want to see these big parties across the world. You know, Idris Elba doing a, a show in Amsterdam, you play in Lisbon and you present sort of in between links. And I was like, this is like my dream, <laughs> this is my dream bit of content right here. I think Thierry Henry was involved as well. Yeah, but, yeah, but annoyingly was, yeah. not on the same no. day as you were shooting. No, he 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 introduced a set. So I think he introduced Bob Sinclair, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. And I was like so gutted it wasn't me, but I was like, it's fine. <laughs> um but yeah, those kind of moments where you do, you know, you get to put these two passions together. I just, they're so, they're so amazing and. I agree. 
I just, well, I just wouldn't let you t I wouldn't let people tell you that it's not possible because it is. Uh, Forty nine thousand people in watching you at the moment. We've got about ten minutes left. Afrolicious Mama says, "Do you have a well being routine to manage your lifestyle?" Of course you do. Yeah, I do. Of yeah. Course you do. <laughs> Go on, give us the secret. Um, so in the morning, I have uh, like lemon and hot water. Um, meditate for ten minutes. Um, I, I take a two minute cold shower. Do you two minutes? Yeah, two minutes. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't upgraded to the ice baths yet. I think my neighbours would think I was mad. Um, I'd have a coffee. I work out almost every day. But when I say workout, you know, it's not just smashing weights or going for a run. It could be yoga, could be stretching, mobility. Rest is a part of working out. You have to rest. It's really important. Um, and then I just try. I try to make exercise fun. You know, it's got to be. It's got to be fun. I think we're so pressurized to, to to work out to look a certain way and stuff like that and you know when you're a kid you're running around it's exercise but it's fun and almost every kid did that and i think it's important to find that as an adult so i was gonna say and do you think that is now do you think you're abnormal with such a brilliantly frankly healthy well-rounded kind of wellness based routine or do you go no look there's a hell of a lot of people all the way up from sports people to djs doing exactly the same thing really so i think it i think maybe in some in this industry, people might, some people might think it's a bit abnormal, but I think it's becoming normalised because people are realising how important it is. I mean, if you've watched the Avicii documentary, that says a lot, really. And I'm not touring half as much as that guy did. So um, I think it's definitely becoming normalised. I think, you know, big brands like Defected doing work with charities like mine is really important. Yeah. Um, and the more people talk about it, you know, the better. Yeah, the DJ EZ stream that we did from here. Yeah. Is that in January? It feels like a decade ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, was wonderful on that, but the amount of people commenting and just how important, and he's been a brilliant advocate of that. And there's so many of them done such great stuff, and we were just pleased to facilitate it, but it feels like it's just more necessary than yeah. ever. But yeah. again, I think young people, listening to people like yourself, putting such importance in it, it's a really big thing. A um, couple more questions, a few minutes left. Nick Robin, Nick Robin, Nick Robin, anyway. Uh, oh, what's the story behind your name? Uh, my surname is Monkman. There were three Lucys in my class at school. <laughs> and it was actually just my school nickname of my mates. And then when I was a teenager, I had to choose DJ name. <laughs> yeah. Works. <laughs> um, Nick Murphy, uh, uh, what do you think are next steps to level the playing field for underrepresented groups in both sport and the music industry? Um, <laughs> On the footy pond. Exactly. That's a that's a really nice kind of point in general. Crikey. Well, we sort of touched upon it certainly with how important it was for you to frankly hear Annie Max's voice for the very first time. So, yeah. And I love the fact that you're saying how a small part of you every time you're playing out feels like there is work that you are doing yeah. in a positive way. Is there anything else you're doing going forward in other work? I know you're involved in all sorts of different stuff to again to further that cause, be it. Yeah, um, so in quick answer to that question, I think probably, you know, we've touched on it before, I think f you know, financial backing when it comes to like sport and stuff like that from a grassroots level is very, really, really important. Uh, representation, just seeing people, you know, other women doing things, whether that be being a pundit, being a football player, being a DJ. Um, and in terms of personal projects, yeah, so there's a, there's a group, myself, um, a woman called Al, who's the drummer from Sports Team, which is a Mercury-nominated band here okay. in England. And Salon, who's a teammate of mine, but also she works for Football Beyond Borders. Awesome. Um, and great, we're great. starting a sort of a platform where we really just want to, I guess, 
redefine the word exercise um, into more of like an inclusive uh, world. Um, you know, we, th we think of forms of exercises, like I said a minute ago, like lifting weights and smashing uh, a hit session, but, you know, we want to broaden that and really celebrate other kinds of movement, essentially, Amazing. which is, you know, could be anything from gardening to stretching and yoga and so we're working on a platform to do that. So yeah, watch this space. I like that. Um, well, maybe that's related to uh, a question here from Signals. Uh, I'd like to ask, how did you find the motivation to keep going? And I'm not sure specifically what rep what part of that's to. It might have been some of the barriers and challenges you faced, or it might be almost, <laughs> almost frankly, right now. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, don't get me wrong, mate. Like, you know, I know this, this year has been extremely tough for, for everyone, but. I might maybe come across super motivated during this <laughs> hot an hour of conversation, but there have definitely been periods of time in lockdown I where... I fed you coffee before you start. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've just, you know, you know, some days it's just good to just exist, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, sit on the sofa and chill out. So, yeah, I don't so think... So you don't be... That's interesting. So you've just described a really brilliant routine. It's not quite Orlando Bloom style. No, right? no. But your thing it's just as important sometimes to just go today is just today a hundred percent you know there's some days i'd wake up and you know i'm like you know what don't fancy a cold shower today and that's fine yeah. <laughs> and yeah. i'm not going to take <laughs> it i'd um, that'd be me every single yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah I, I think i find i think i find motivation in, in in other people i think really yeah i think in, other, in meeting other people and hearing their stories stuff like that. Mm, i can well uh, appreciate that i think feeding off energy is probably the wrong uh, uh, way of framing it, but being able to have those conversations or the likes of things like this, or it might be, you know, so one of the things about social media, there's a lot wrong with social media yeah. in the respect, the, the kind of fighting for your position in terms of appearance versus someone else and assuming their life is incredible. But the nice part is the sheer connection that you can feed off it. And whether yeah. that be bringing it back to the start of this entire conversation, you playing in that hatch over there and 28,000 people have sticking crazy emojis to say how good it is. Yeah. That's a feedback loop that you don't ordinarily get, right? Yeah. And there, there's, yeah. there's something to be said for that. Yeah, and especially now, you know, when we can't see each other, we can't be in a, in a field all, you know, singing along to a record, or we can't be in a stadium all there for the same reason. I think, going back to my point, I think when we very started at the beginning of this conversa conversation, you know, what why do we do all these things and it is it's connecting with people and you know i just i don't know how to explain it there's got to be some sort of scientific explanation for the feeling that you have when you're in a, a space with so many people experiencing the same thing and celebrating the same thing 100 percent uh i've been being shown a really giant clock that says 157 <laughs> which means i think i've got about 60 seconds left uh on that note future this year we've just had quite the year we're still sort of in it, kind of, but I bet you're getting lots of bookings for lots of very hopeful people. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff going on. Are you hopeful about the year ahead, the summer ahead, and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, I am very optimistic. I'm optimistic that there's, you know, this, this summer's going to go ahead in some capacity. Um, who knows, mm. honestly, because, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee, but I am feeling optimistic about it, and, uh, yeah, I really hope to see people back, you know, in a club, at festivals, hopefully Croatia. Fingers yes. crossed. That would be like the best Please. return ever. Can you, imagine? you actually wrote that tweet about a year ago, so you can imagine that first one back. Yeah, imagine, <laughs> imagine the first rave back. I mean, it's just going to be mental, isn't it? On that note, the first note back. Thank you. First rave back. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here, uh, Monkey. That was amazing. I could sit with you all day, and I can't believe an hour has just gone by. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. We'll be back. 
very soon. Um, and please get more of your questions in for them. But for now, have a great day. Thanks so much.